welcome to the Palmwood Podcast, part of the teaching ministry of Palmwood Church in Oviedo, Florida, where we love God extravagantly, love people with humility, and mentor others to do the same. Here's Pastor John with an introduction for this week's message. Thanks, David. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Palmwood Podcast, the person and work of the Holy Spirit. You know, some have called him the silent partner of the Trinity. Others have avoided learning much about him at all because all they've heard is about the many excesses from certain movements that emphasize his power. Still others have a very well-articulated theology of the Holy Spirit, but it's mostly built on his work in salvation and the sanctification process. Today, as we continue our series, Know What You Believe, we come to the phrase in the Apostles' Creed, I believe in the Holy Spirit. My hope in this message is to take away some of the fear and clarify some of the misconceptions that you might have by looking to what the scriptures actually say about the personhood and the work of the Holy Spirit. I hope you find it helpful. Well, our scripture passage this morning comes from the Gospel of John. Um, We're looking at John chapter 14, verses 15 through 26, and then skipping to chapter 16, verses 5 through 16. These are the words of Jesus specifically to his followers about the work of the Holy Spirit. So John chapter 15 I'm chapter 14, starting with verse 15. Jesus says, If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be with you, will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you, and before long the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. Incidentally, that verse is the verse that uh, became transformative to Ravi Zacharias, who uh, had his coronation day this last week and is now with Jesus. Jesus continues, On that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, Why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and I will come to him, and I will make, and we will make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still I am with you, but the counselor, The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. 
and then skipping to chapter 16, looking at verses 5 through 16. Jesus says, Now I am going to him who sent me, yet none of you asks me, Where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, now listen to this, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment, in regard to sin because men do not believe in me, in regard to righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and in regard to judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. Now listen, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you, into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said, the Spirit will take what is mine and make it known to you. A little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. The incredible work of the Holy Spirit that God has given to us from the time that Jesus ascended to heaven until the very end. God has given us his own spirit. It is with the church to lead us, to guide us, to empower us, to, ha- to enable us to actually fulfill his mission. And yet, there are many Christians who do not have a full and right understanding of the Holy Spirit. The writers of the Apostles' Creed felt that it was important enough to put it in the Creed. And so we declare today, I believe in the Holy Spirit. But my question for you, friends, is do you? Do you really? You know, as, as, as I've worked with churches all across the nation, the churches that I've worked with anyway, I find that they really have a strong faith in Jesus, the Christ. They have a love of the Father in heaven, but many of them really lack understanding when it comes to the third and equal person of the triune God, the Holy Spirit. If someone does not have a full and a right understanding of the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, he or she probably has a very limited relationship with God. And what's more, they probably have extremely limited fruit for God's kingdom mission. God the Father is God. God the Son, Jesus, is God. God the Holy Spirit is God. All three persons of our triune God are of the same essence. No one is more important or less important than any of the others. And today I hope to help us understand, even if it's only in some basic way because we've got limited time here, the critical importance that our Christian faith, friends, must include a genuine relationship with God, the Holy Spirit. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help me to not cause any distractions myself and to preach your timeless word in a way that is easy to understand and ready to apply. Jesus, help those who are here in the room and and those who are listening to the live feed and those later who will watch the recorded broadcast. Help them, anoint them, Lord, to be able to quickly and readily grasp and understand and apply what we learned from your word this day. And Holy Spirit, help the tools that you've given us here this day for for worship and broadcast to function as they need to function so that nothing can prevent the word of God from moving forward. Holy Spirit, you're the spirit of truth. (laughs) Enable us, myself included, today to learn what we need to learn, to grow where we need to grow, to expand the horizon of our thinking and understanding where it needs to expand, that we can be what the Father has designed us to be for the mission of Jesus to bear its fruit in and through our lives. And we pray this for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. For those that may have joined us after the uh, the announcement time today, I just want to remind those that we are working now with the new Palmwood app. And uh, if you go to palmwoodchurch.com on your phone or tablet, it has to be a mobile device, down in the lower right corner will will be, uh, if you go to the Sunday morning button that's on that, on that new uh, app, uh, down in the lower right corner is a chat icon. If you click on that, if you have questions during the sermon or you have prayer requests or any of those kinds of things, that chat feature is there for you. Um, we have one of our leaders, Bob, is ready and willing to interact with you. It'll be a private chat channel, so your questions aren't going to be seen by anybody else. And uh, he will interact with you answering any questions you've got during the sermon. That chat feature will stay, even though we won't necessarily have somebody live 24-7, it stays available to you all the time. And if you send something in when we don't have somebody live on it, it will email us and we'll be able to get back in touch with you to answer any questions that you might have. But please, if you have questions today, we invite you to ask them so that you can learn, particularly with this very important topic we're looking at today. We need to understand the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I come across people all the time that think the Holy Spirit is, um, you know, some kind of ghostly thing, some kind of, um, of power that's out there. I've, I've heard uh, Christians that have kind of related it to the force of Star Wars. It's some impersonal force, um, a mystical mist that just kind of is under the control of God and blesses us. None of those things are correct. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's a person, and we have to understand that. And a lot of people really miss this point about the Holy Spirit. He, he has personhood. He has personality because the Scripture shows us that the Holy Spirit possesses the attributes of being a person. God the Father has attributes or traits of being a real person, and we see those in Scripture. 
Jesus has attributes or traits of being a real person. And boy, we see those in the Gospels incredibly, prolifically. Um, but the Holy Spirit also has traits of being a person with whom we can relate. And we want to talk about that this morning, about the personhood of the Holy Spirit. The first one we want to talk about is that the Holy Spirit has intellect. He's not just some force. He's intelligent. He has intellect. The Holy Spirit knows and, and understands the thoughts of God. The Holy Spirit then is able to help us, you and I, in our limited human capacity to understand and apply the wisdom of God in our lives and, and to the mission that he's given us. You and I are blessed by the Spirit's intellect as he makes us able to apply spiritual truth. Every time we have an aha when reading the scriptures or, or what have you, that's the Holy Spirit working, his intellect blessing us so that we can understand and walk out what we learn. The Holy Spirit has wisdom and revelation. The Holy Spirit, being God, has the full and complete wisdom of God and is able to share some of that wisdom, again, to our limited capacity as human beings, and so that, that we can know God the Father better. So we can know God the Son better. So we can understand our mission better and carry it out. We, we come to understand the Father's heart because of the wisdom and revelation of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We come to understand the mission to carry the gospel forward and what that means for us as individuals because of the wisdom and revelation of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit makes us wise beyond our human ability so we can be fruitful partners in the tasks that God has given us. Third, the Holy Spirit has emotions. And for me personally, I think this is the place where we really see the personhood of the Holy Spirit. First thing we see, Romans 15, verse 30, the Holy Spirit loves only a person can actually love something, someone with personhood. Isaiah 63, verse 10, Ephesians 4, 30, the Holy Spirit grieves. Hebrews 10, verse 29, the Holy Spirit can be insulted. You, you can't insult uh, a non-person. Some kind of force can't be insulted, but the Holy Spirit can. Fourth, Galatians 4, verse 6, the Holy Spirit yearns, yearns specifically for God. But perhaps the most vital thing with respect to the Spirit's emotions that we can say in this message is that he shares the fruit of the Spirit with us. Now, I really wrestled in, in putting this sermon together, whether the fruit of the Spirit belonged with emotions or the, the fruit of the Spirit belonged with work, which we're going to look at next. And really, it fits in both of those categories, if you will. But if you think about it, the, each of the fruit of the Spirit have an emotional aspect to them. And so I'm, I'm bringing them out here as we talk about the Spirit's emotions. Think about this. Love. We've already talked about it a little bit, but the Holy Spirit shares love with us. The love here is agape love. Uh, 
those that have been with Palmwood for a while know that we've, we've talked about this. There's a number of different Greek words that are all translated into English with a singular word, love. And that's what makes sometimes uh, interpreting those passages in the New Testament really challenging. But there's one word that is used for Jesus' love, which is really clear. It's defined as self-sacrificing, other-oriented love. It's called agape, is the, the Greek word there. Agape love. And this is the love that is the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives as he works with us. Joy. The Holy Spirit shares joy with us. It's, it's a source of, of unshakable strength. It's not like happiness that is based upon circumstances. If circumstances are good, we're happy. If circumstances are bad, we're unhappy. No, joy is not like that. Joy, the fruit of the Spirit that, that, that we're given by the Holy Spirit is unshakable. It's non-circumstantial. Things can be bad like COVID-19 and we still can be absolutely full of joy. Patience. The Holy Spirit shares his long-suffering nature with us, just as our Heavenly Father patiently waits for humanity to, to bow their hearts and their minds and their knees to Jesus as Lord and as Savior. So, too, we can be patient as his representatives, as his ambassadors. Kindness. The Holy Spirit <coughs> pardon me, shares his kindness with us so that we can be authentic and considerate with those around us, especially those that are still in process with which we need to be patient. Boy, the world needs that right now. If you've been on Facebook or other social media recently, you know there's not a lot of kindness being spread around right now. Goodness. The Holy Spirit shares his goodness with us, that, that our righteousness and our morality are true echoes of God's own goodness. Faithfulness. The Holy Spirit shares his faithfulness with us that, that we show Christ's character through steadfastness and loyalty to both Jesus himself and the mission he has commissioned us to carry out. Gentleness. The Holy Spirit shares his gentleness with us. It's a holy, H-O-L-Y, a holy tenderness. It's a holy humanity that is demonstrated in all of our relationships. Self-control. The Holy Spirit shares self-control with us. That all of our emotions and all of our behavior are in full submission, full surrender to Jesus as our Lord, as our Master, as our King for His purposes. The Holy Spirit has intellect. The Holy Spirit has wisdom and revelation. He has emotion. The Spirit loves. He grieves. He can be insulted. He yearns. And He shares the fruit of the Spirit with us. The personhood of the Holy Spirit is clearly on display in the Scriptures. It's actually inarguable. I know there's people who argue about it, but it, it's very clear in the Scriptures. But just as important for us, friends, as the knowing the person of the Holy Spirit is knowing and allowing him, um, um, surrendering to him so that he can do his work in our lives. 
And that is the second part of our message today. We're going to go into a lot of detail here. And as we do, um, I think the most salient point that we can make at this point in the message is to make abundantly clear that the Holy Spirit resides with the church. The Holy Spirit is with you and I, believer. Jesus said, and I, I emphasized it when we read the scripture today, Jesus said, it is good that he goes away to the Father, to the right hand of the Father. And we, of course, preached about that a couple weeks ago. Because if he goes, then the counselor, or depending on your particular English translation, the comforter, the word is paraclete, the one who comes alongside, the helper will come to you. Jesus understood that it was absolutely critical for you and I as human beings that we would have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit to carry us forward on the mission of redeeming creation, redeeming humanity. Now, just follow me here for a moment. Jesus grew up as a human being. We know that he's fully God and fully man, but he, according to Philippians chapter 2, he emptied himself. He put his godness on the shelf, if you will. I mean, this, I'm, I'm using vernacular, but he emptied himself so that he could live this life fully human without all the benefits of being divine. He would, he would live this life fully as a human being only with the faculties and the tools and the abilities of a human being to do so without sin so that he could substitute for us on the cross of Calvary and, and set us free from our sins and death. So Jesus was born human, was raised human, and at his baptism, at the beginning of his mission, something happened. If you remember back, if you're familiar with the story from the Gospels, as Jesus comes up out of the water there, he, he kneels down before John the Baptist. John the Baptist is the one that baptizes him in the River Jordan. As Jesus comes up dripping wet, up out of the water, the Holy Spirit descends upon him as a dove, is what the Scripture says. He is at that moment the first human being to be indwelt with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is really important. Jesus, during his earthly ministry, with the exception of the time of the transfiguration and what we know after his resurrection. So with take, take out the story of the transfiguration when he was glorified before Peter, James, and John, and take out the time of the resurrection, the rest of his earthly ministry, those roughly three years on the earth, he was able to teach with authority. He was able to work miracles and do signs and wonders. He was able to live that life not because he was divine, but because as a human being he had the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in him. And this is why Jesus can say to his followers, you have seen all these things that I have done. I tell you 
that you will do even greater things. Why? Because the time was coming. Jesus knew the time was coming when we would also, all of us as believers collectively, would have that same Holy Spirit dwelling within us, you see. And so from the time of Acts chapter 2, Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit now descends and it fills the church, from that moment all the way through the whole story of the missionary journeys in Acts, all the letters of Paul and of John and of others, all the way through the story of the end times in Revelation to the very end, from the moment the Spirit came down at Pentecost to the moment that the end actually arrives, every single reference to the Holy Spirit, friends, is with the church. Even as John in Revelation is looking into the throne room of heaven, he sees the great one on the throne, the ancient of days would say Daniel. And he also sees one, a lamb, looking as if it has been slain on the throne. He sees the father, he sees the son, but he doesn't see the Holy Spirit there in the throne room. Why? Because the Holy Spirit, ever since the day of Pentecost, dwells with us dwells in us as the church, as believers in Jesus Christ, right to the very last of Revelation. When, interestingly, as we're talking about his return, I'm coming soon, he says, it says, and the spirit and the bride, the church, say, come, Lord Jesus, Maranatha. And as we go through these, these details about the work of the Holy Spirit, you and I, Christian, need to understand that the Holy Spirit has been sent by the Father, has been sent by Jesus to indwell and to be with his church all through the rest of the ages, to the very end of the ages, Jesus would say, to empower us, equip us, and prepare us to be fruitful in carrying out the task that Jesus has commissioned us to carry out. Now that's a, a huge thing. They're all around this one point that the Holy Spirit resides with the church. But the Holy Spirit resides with us. And everything else I'm going to say from this point forward is contingent on that. So please keep it in that context. There's a lot that we know from Scripture. The first thing we know is that the Spirit teaches he teaches us. Jesus said, the Spirit leads us into all truth. The Spirit ensures that, that we learn and we understand everything that we need to know. And he also reminds us, Jesus says, of everything that Jesus has already taught his followers to do. He teaches us. The Holy Spirit testifies. He testifies. Can I get a witness? <laughs> you see, the Holy Spirit is the greatest witness to the reality of who Christ is. He speaks to us both on the intellectual level and on the heart level to prove Jesus is the Christ. Which leads us to our next point. The Holy Spirit convicts us. The Spirit breaks our hearts. Why? Because when, when the Holy Spirit 
shows us our sinfulness, when he, when he shows us ourselves in the mirror of Christ's perfect character, we are broken. We are convicted. But he doesn't just beat us down with guilt. That's what the enemy does. That's what Satan does. That's what he wants to do to defeat humanity who's made in the image of God. No, the Holy Spirit motivates us with conviction toward change and moving forward in life. The Holy Spirit convicts. But he doesn't just convict. He also comforts, you see. The Holy Spirit is the great counselor. There is no better counselor than the Holy Spirit. He doesn't need to discern our pain and our needs. He doesn't need to ask us a bunch of questions to figure out what's going on. He's God. He knows them full well. The Spirit speaks the truth to us that we need to hear and then raises us up in Christ. He empowers us. The Spirit endues Christ's people with power and with boldness for the task that we have been given. And part of that empowerment is equipping as well. The Holy Spirit is the source of all spiritual gifts, the equipment that we need, the tools and resources that are necessary to successfully carry out Christ's mission. The Holy Spirit unifies as the singular Holy Spirit indwells Christ's people all over the world from every nation, every tongue, every tribe, every people. The multiplicity of personalities are all made one in Christ. We are one with Him and with the Father. We are unified, one mind, one heart, one mission, serving one God. And all our multiple agendas are washed away, being overtaken when the Holy Spirit moves by the singular Emmanuel agenda, serving our Jesus. We are commonly devoted to the same apostolic teaching. We are commonly devoted to the same fellowship and relationships, the same lifestyle, the same prayer and intercession. And this unity that we experience as we walk in the Spirit together changes the whole world. Remember, Jesus said the way the world would recognize us and would know we belong to him was by, was by the way we love one another. It's the Spirit that fosters that. The Holy Spirit calls and commissions. The Holy Spirit knows the mission. He knows the tasks. He knows the resources. He knows the needs. He knows the opposition that we're going to face. He also knows who God has best equipped for each part of the mission. Sometimes when we least expect it, in fact, I would say most of the time when we least expect it, the Spirit speaks and he calls us heart to heart. And we can't find peace until we take that step of faith toward the path that the Spirit is wooing us to embrace. He commissions the right people to the right kingdom works. The Holy Spirit guides. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit is our guide for life and for mission. 
sometimes we can't see the way forward. Anybody been there? Sometimes our own sinful habits get in the way. They derail us. But to be led by the Holy Spirit is to always be on the right path, the one of God's ordaining. He assures. We all know it. There's days we just don't feel it. It just ain't happening. Am I the only one? Or does anybody else feel that way? <laughs> we stand in our own way. Circumstances around us scream more loudly than the still small voice of God. I think many of us coming through this whole coronavirus thing have been feeling that. There are days when we even question our own salvation, let alone our part in the mission. Then the Spirit speaks. And we have absolute assurance that we are the children of God. He intercedes. <clears throat> when you and I are on our last nerve, when we don't even know how to pray anymore, the Holy Spirit picks up the slack and intercedes with us, even intercedes for us in language we can't even express. He sanctifies whether we're talking sanctification for ourselves or for other people, when there are, are people who are just so misaligned with the heart of God, they're derailed by sin and, and worldliness. It's the Holy Spirit that takes people like that, has taken you and I like that, and makes us utterly holy, set apart for God's purposes and His glory. He speaks. He expresses to us the heart and wisdom of God. He enlightens. He helps us understand things that previously were absolute foolishness to us and now are things we embrace with all the joy and the love of God. He justifies. He leads us through the cleansing flood of Jesus' blood so that God looks at us and declares us righteous in his own holy sight. He works in us. He takes the empowerment and the gifts that he provides, all these things we've talked about, and he draws them all together for the glory of God. And finally, he transforms. The Holy Spirit is the one who walks with every single one of us in Christ's church so that we are more and more every single day being transformed into the likeness of our Savior. The label we wear, Christian, means Christ-like. And it is the Holy Spirit that makes us that way. All of these things... All of this is wrapped up in our relationship with the Holy Spirit. And when Christians don't know the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, it is no wonder why they struggle in all these various areas that we've listed. When we, when we relegate the Holy Spirit off to one side as the silent member of the Trinity, as, as the hocus pocus those Pentecostals get all caught up in, 
When we worry about all of those things and thereby begin to almost reject the person of the Holy Spirit, it's no wonder we struggle in many areas of our Christian life, our walk, fruit-bearing for His kingdom. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying that because it's part of the creed. I'm telling you, I believe in the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit in my life as an individual believer and as a pastor has been absolutely incredible. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit works incredibly within each one of us. The Holy Spirit is real. He's a person. Can you agree with me that these truths are absolutely essential to walking out our Christian faith? Friends, do not reject the work of the Holy Spirit. We do that to our own peril. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, in the quietness of our hearts now, I would pray that you would fill us afresh. For those who are gathered here physically or electronically, who are very sensitive to you, Holy Spirit, and the work that you do, may that sensitivity even increase and may the preciousness of that relationship go deeper. Holy Spirit, for those that have taken a theological approach to their relationship with you, I would pray now that you would take all that sound doctrine that they have believed and now you would turn it into practice and you would overwhelm them with the realities of those things they've espoused. Father, for those that are here in our present and, and virtual congregation that have pushed back on the Holy Spirit, maybe even been afraid of the Holy Spirit, who have said things like, that stuff doesn't happen anymore. Holy Spirit, in, in all your gentleness and all your love, I would ask you right now, in those people's lives, you would do something that's not on the bulletin. <laughs> it's not part of the plan, that you would beautifully shake them up so they learn something new about their triune God this day. And that for all of us, Holy Spirit, we would love you more, we would sense your leading more, and by your work, we would give worship to the Father and glory to the Son. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the Palmwood Podcast. 
If you'd like more information about Palmwood Church and its ministry, see our website at palmwoodchurch.com. Have a blessed day.